Welcome to Books Where Two Guys Tell You About the Books They're Reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livius Ned, and welcome to the first interlude of 2020. It's the first I one. I paused right? dramatically. Well, yeah, right? Because we had a year in review. I paused dramatically because oh, yeah. I felt like there should be music there, although we oh. don't have music. Why don't we have music? Can we get music this year? We need to find someone to make the music. Do you know how to make music? I mean, I, how hard could how hard could it be? <laughs> and we lost all of our musician listeners. Yeah. So, um, listen, if you think you have the absolute <laughs> right music for this podcast, feel free to email it to us at bookpodcast at gmail dot com if you would like for us to use it um, on our podcast. That being said, you know. I did. I know somebody who makes music and I, I was like, oh, I'm going to. And I was like, oh, none of this fits. None of it fits. Mm. So I did recently try. And it's not look. Gentleman is very talented for what it is, but it's kind of like pretty heavy, like electronica music. I just didn't feel like it fit with with what we do. Um, but, yeah, I would love to have some music for this podcast. That yes. way there could have been music inserted in that dramatic pause that I made about it being the first interlude of 2020. Bum, 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 bum. Thanks. Um, <laughs> it sounds like work. Like it sounds like adding more files to the edit. Yeah. Like two, one at the beginning, one at the end. Maybe. Yeah. yeah it's just, a, yeah, that's two more than I have to right now. All right. Any rate, um, if you've got something, send it over and maybe I can convince Rob <laughs> to, to do that. We've got a few topics to cover this week. Um, we've actually been really busy. I'll start out by saying I spent like 45 minutes at the post office today sending out uh, the newest, latest, and potentially last edition <laughs> of the, the booked Patreon coffee mug. Yeah. I'm glad you did that because I hate going to... I was thinking the other day, I have an actual traditional mailbox and it just occurred to me that I can just put things in there and they'll take things away from my house. So I might have to start if I have to like mail something, you know how you can just was get last like time a, you had to mail something though. That wasn't a package. Well, I that's never, it's been a long time, yeah. but you can get those little, like you can like buy stamps through the internet and print out a thing and tape it on a thing. And then like, that's your postage. Mm-hmm. Like if I have to send out a book, that'll fit in that mailbox. That's true. Oh, that's a good point. So, yeah, I um, this was a lot of packages, so I have to go to the post office on the rare occasions I have to ship something. Um, I, I have very, uh, very localized access to FedEx at work, like where I can pay to ship something, and it's like twenty feet away from my office. So, so naturally, I you usually to the do post that. office. Well, I went to the post office because I assumed FedEx would cost two to three times as much mm. um, to send these out. And quite honestly, then I, I kind of have to do the work myself then where there's just a really nice lady at the post office. That I just put it up there and I go, listen, it's not flammable or hazardous and I don't need insurance. Like, just send this shit. And she just does it. <laughs> so, yeah, they love me at the post office. She sees you walking up. She's like, oh, here comes that guy that doesn't know how to make packages work. Yeah, like just shuffle this shit away. I do the thing with my hand where I, like, I'm sweeping forward with my hand, like make these packages go, and then, then she's like, fill out these customs forms, and I start getting mad about foreigners. So, oh, yeah. you know who you are, foreigners. They love you. The band foreigner. Yeah, 
Yes, the band Foreigner are getting a coffee mug. Just one, though, and they have to <laughs> share it. And by share it, I mean drink out of it simultaneously. <laughs> Just like, pass it around like the they, table? Yeah, not like not like you get it for a weekend, then I get it for a weekend. This isn't, this isn't a child that you didn't love enough to stay together for. This is... <sighs> oh, God. We're off to a great Visitation start. Visitation rights so, for a mug. Yeah. Listen, let's get let's get right into this. <laughs> I saw this article and I want to I want to talk about it. Now this article's from the eighth, um, but we had a book to review last week and we didn't want to add on a bunch of stuff. But um, the book riot, I'm assuming at some point you've stumbled across some article or something on their website. Yes, I'm sure. Bookriot.com, um, where they really do all their stuff is about books. They pop up in my uh, my Google News feed a lot. And this one, uh, the article is called Buy Use Books, Here's Why. And I thought that, I think I know we've talked about like book piracy, who knows, years ago or, or whatever. But I really find that the, the, the used books and, and, and to a certain extent library books pose a, a, a kind of an interesting issue Um Potentially for for purchasers and readers, but more specifically, I think, for publishers and authors. So the gist of this article, and this article is by Anna Gooding Call. Gooding um, hyphen call. It's a weird name. I was I was wondering if I click on that, do it does it start a call or is that is Gooding Call? <laughs> you should let me know what happens. If if it starts a call, just it didn't start a call. That's her name. She can explain to us this thing. So so, you know, all right, there are some there's some really interesting points in this. And I'm going to try to kind of just hit a couple of them. But then there's some things I want to talk about. So, uh, like she says, going to a used bookstore is is different and it's an adventure. And I agree. And she kind of compares it to like buying from, you know, the grocery store or, you know, like the big retail like Walmart where, you know, you go to Walmart and there's, I don't know, 30 books, right? And they're all hand selected. They're they're the top of the top for, you know, for the the various genres that that somebody who handles that selection for them from the publisher from some type of sec, you know seller so that's it that's all you get and you're not going to find weird and offbeat books and you're not going to find stuff that's really outside the mainstream absolutely i agree and in a in a used bookstore you'll you'll get a mix rob you've been frequenting a lot of used bookstores right so i'm sure that there's three shelves of vl james in each one of the bookstores, right? Because those books have, you know, obviously the more there are in, in the wild, the more likely you are to find a used copy. Uh, well, thankfully, I don't go through the, the romance slash erotica section, so I actually okay. usually avoid the E.L. James, but I get what you're saying, and yes. Well, I mean, that's so So Stephen King probably has a couple oh, God, of dedicated yeah. shelves. Yeah, so whatever it is, you know, so that's the same stuff you would buy at Walmart, but you would only be able to get the, the most recent um, version of it. So I agree with that, and yeah, you can probably find some pretty offbeat stuff there. Um, she says that, you know, like there's the joy of the hunt, which all right, I get that means you're going to go through and look at some books. There's the eco friendliness of it. Uh, meaning that for every book you buy used, like one less book is produced, I guess. I don't, I'm not sure that's how it works, but I, I get what she's saying is that you're recycling effectively. Yeah, at the very um, least, you're you're making it so that fewer books are thrown in the garbage, maybe. That's true. Um, and then somewhere in here, and I was trying to find it, but it was essentially like like 
you should still buy new books but that should be the special the special occasion right or if you're gifting somebody a book like you know for christmas then maybe it shouldn't be a used book maybe it should be a new book but i guess really what this article didn't address is (laughs) the i'm trying to think of the right way to say this right like like the author so we all agree book piracy is wrong right i mean i think uh, on a general level we can all kind of agree with that and the reason is that somebody is enjoying the product without the author getting a piece of it. So a used bookstore does the exact same thing, but because it's a physical item, we automatically think it's okay, right? Because you, the person who sold the book, we'll use you in this example, is permanently deprived of the book. So it's okay that somebody else is buying and enjoying the story and the author slash publisher getting no money for it. I mean, that's essentially how used book sales work, right? Um, yep. So I, I guess, and I, I really, I don't have a thought on this. I have purchased used books. I mean, I mostly purchase electronic books. Um, so I'm on a completely different, I'm mostly <laughs> taken out of this argument because although I will peruse a used bookstore and occasionally pick something up just because I want it on my shelf um i i guess i'm just looking to have a like a little bit of a conversation about is it the right thing yeah and i think it all comes down to intention of the the buyer um from my perspective uh first of all brand new books are hard to find in used bookstores so if someone's looking for that like you know they want to get something that's new as it comes out they're buying it new uh or stealing it i guess that could be we could talk about physical theft as part of the equation too. I, that's, um, I wonder. Do you think there's a lot of people that steal books? I, I I would. I don't know, but now I'm thinking I would love to read about it, like a book thief. Oh man, like sure a cat burglar, yeah. kind of like stealing really important books. I'm pretty sure the book thief was actually a really big book a few oh, years yeah. ago. That may have been, I could have this wrong, it may be, may have been like a World War II type. I'm already bored. Book. Yeah. All right. Anyway. <laughs> uh, um, so. so that's one thing. The, uh, the people, so ideally what a bookstore s- serves is like you, you had mentioned books that you can't find in the big box places that, you know, maybe they came out a few years ago or maybe they didn't sell too well, or maybe they're like a local author or something. So like a used bookstore is going to be more likely to um, embrace diversity of, of content for the sake of man. Hopefully someone will, will choose this. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of the general idea. And and the other thought I have is um, the type of person who's shopping for used books, how much money, if there weren't used bookstores, like, how much money would they be spending on books anyway? Like if they don't want to, if they're looking to buy used books, if it's a price thing, they're probably already set on the amount of money they're spending on books. So like, are they really taking mm-hmm. money away from an author? I don't know because, and the, but see, this is where it gets really interesting because the same argument is made if you look at people who are pro piracy. Yeah. So the, the argument um, for piracy is that the people who pirate, your movie or your music and and ultimately i guess your books too 
likely weren't going to spend $15 for your book or whatever, let's say $7 for a Kindle copy. Right. Um, it's, it's even, we talk about this on the, I feel like I had a long conversation with someone about this. Maybe it was here. There's also like a theory that like something like 70% of the content that's pirated is never, um, viewed slash listened to slash read mm-hmm. because it's just free. So you go, Oh, it's just blind I'll get all this, but then you don't, yeah, you just get it and you go, Oh, maybe one day I'll get around to this or, or, or whatever. So, but I mean, those same arguments are made for piracy, but piracy clearly not okay. But used book sales, like nobody, no, I have not heard anybody shit talk used bookstores. And it just, it struck me as just a, a little odd. That That's kind of, I, I'm not sure where I'm at with it. Well, and then the other thing about a used bookstore you have to think about is like um, exposure. So if I'm an author and I have a book that's not in print right now, um, and I've got newer books that are, if I, if my, my book that's not in print that you can't buy at Amazon or whatever is in a used bookstore and someone stumbles across it and suddenly they want to read my other books, that's free advertising just because that book is still in the world. I mean, that's true. I I'd love to hear from some, some authors on, on where they fall on this. I, I, um, I'm, I'm putting money on zero authors would be like, yeah, fuck used bookstores. <laughs> Yeah, I just, but it's, but like I said, the, those same authors though would take piracy, and and like that. That's really, I guess, where it comes down to is where do we draw the line? Is it because there's only one copy? But so if that copy's resold, I I, I understand this is a ridiculous statement. <laughs> if that copy is resold one thousand times, is that the same as as having your book end up on you know whatever on the internet or you know on some free download site? That, that gets a thousand free downloads on it. Well, I, I think that the main difference, the and honestly, like there was that whole piracy blow up like five or six months ago mm-hmm. um, and where libraries got involved and it got real messy. Like it was the messiest conversation about, you know, an author getting mm-hmm. what they deserve or whatever. But um, the difference being kind of like I mentioned earlier, um, if I want to get the new Stephen King book, it's most likely not going to be at a used bookstore and it's definitely not going to be free at a used bookstore. But if, you know, within probably what, 12 hours of it dropping, you're going to find it uh, like a, a, like a, like an ebook copy of it somewhere on like a torrent somewhere. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Probably audio books too. Yeah. So Same like, kind of thing. So in one case, you know, it's someone who's an, an enthusiast that's, that's still spending money on something that, you know, they care about versus like some guy who's just like, Oh, I don't want to pay for this. So I'm going to wait till a digital copy is available and, and download it for free. So I think it's a different, it's a different value proposition. There still is a benefit that an author gets from a used bookstore having their stuff on the shelves. I'm going to say something. This is going to be really bad too. Cause I just had another thought. So from a piracy standpoint, Nobody, pro- I mean, I, I guess the ultimately the downloader profits, right? But like, wherever you get pirated books, they they don't like sell them, right? They're just available for free. It's like LimeWire, right? I'm, right. So wow. So no, nobody, yeah, no, wait, Napster, nobody, <laughs> nobody profits, right? Except the person who gets whatever the, the person who doesn't have to spend the money free, yeah. right? Yes. But in a used bookstore situation. 
the purse of the profits is the one who owns the bookstore. Yeah. So you still go in if you go into half price books, and I, and I guess we'll we'll touch on that too. Half price books, right? So when Stephen King's newest book finally gets there, it's going to be there for what twelve bucks, right? Half the price of twenty four. I'm guessing is that that's half sure. price basically yeah. is half of the cover price, right? So Stephen King doesn't get any money. The publisher doesn't get any money. I'm still spending twelve bucks to read it, and the only person making any money is half price books. Which, when you think about it, you know, throws an additional wrinkle into the. Are you trying to take down used bookstores? Are you like a? This, are you an look, agent of like Barnes and Noble or something? Not, this is not. This is not my intention. When we started talking, I just thought it was an interesting conversation, but I did because the pirate makes nothing from getting the book. The author makes nothing from the book being pirated, but essentially, only one person profits. In the used bookstore, and it's the used bookstore owner. So it almost sounds to me like you're saying people should pirate as opposed to using used bookstores. This um, is more no, altruistic. I, would, I wouldn't go that far, but I do think it's an interesting conversation that I quite honestly, I, I know there's the whole piracy debacle last year that I completely avoided other than what you know we talked about and you had told me about. Um, I just wonder if anybody's having that conversation. I don't think it needs to. I mean, I think that I so I'm gonna sleep good tonight, knowing that I gave you the few ideas that I had about like the good that used bookstores put out into the world, exposure, finding old stuff that's no longer in print, blah blah blah. I will say that I know that you use half price books, but you're collecting every book that we've reviewed. Yeah. So you have no intention, like you're literally using them as decoration. You know what I mean. <laughs> Because I know you have no intention of reading any of them again. I mean, I might take so. nice pictures of them or something. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. You're using it as decor yeah. and, and, you know, a collectible. But, you know, essentially you're not, you know. I'm not retiring. I, like, I read the same books. I have, no, <laughs> I have no desire to buy all the books that we've read. I've read all the same books you have for this podcast. So, yeah. at any rate. Hey, I guess uh, they could take us to libraries because that's another interesting topic. No, we we're can... not. I can't tell you, like, somehow the biggest powder keg in this whole, like, um, fair use of, of stuff conversation ended up being libraries. Like, libraries was the thing that, like, cuts the deepest to people. And it's like, holy shit. <laughs> so I purposely I purposely ugh. didn't mention libraries because I knew we had this this next article to talk about. <laughs> well, um, before you go over that, I have something else. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I do want to say that in my uh, in the pursuit to find um, all the books that we've reviewed, I did uh, I made a trip this past weekend up to Milwaukee from the suburbs of Chicago um, to do a little book shopping, and um, it was a fun little adventure. Livius probably thinks I'm insane because it was like it's like an hour and a half drive to get up there, therefore also an hour and a half drive to get back, uh, just to walk around two bookstores. So. Did you see anything interesting in your travels to said bookstores? <laughs> well, one thing, I'm a big fan of Schlotsky's Deli. I don't know if you've ever eaten there. I have not. Um, Schlotsky's Deli. There used to be one, like, in my in my youth, there was one in the town I live in now, walking distance to where I live now, and it, and it closed down years ago. So, uh, uh, But it's just, they make these fucking sandwiches, and I love them, so... I had this idea. I want to get out of the house. I didn't really have anything going on this weekend. 
And um, Livius jokingly said he was going to get me a scratch-off map of all of the half-price books uh, in the country so I could kind of keep track of which ones I've gone to. And I was like, well, I haven't gone to Milwaukee ones. And so um, I kind of pulled up the map and I was looking at some potential used bookstores in Milwaukee and uh, decided, what the hell? Two bookstores I want to go to directly in between them is the Shalotsky's Deli. It was like, it was like meant to be. It was fate. Faded. Yep. So go to one bookstore, drive halfway to the other one, eat a sandwich, drive the other half of the way, <laughs> go home. So in my travels, uh, not only did I eat an amazing sandwich, <laughs> um, but I also ran into longtime friend of the podcast, uh, Tim Hennessy. How's Tim doing? When I said, did you come across anything interesting? I didn't think you were going to go into a soliloquy on like deli meats. Yeah. <laughs> so how's Tim doing? Tim's good. Um, we, we managed to talk for a little while and um, our story is we actually met him first at the um, wrong kind of reading at the Galway Arms in Chicago in the spring of 2012. So we're going back practically eight years. Um, and then uh, beyond that time, like he does stuff with the Crime Spree magazine. And so over the years, he's attended a lot of the Chicago, like Noir at the Bar uh, readings and stuff. Um, we've gone up to Milwaukee and bumped into him at other uh, events and um he recently was the editor for the akashic book series um like they do location-based noir so he did the milwaukee noir Ooh. anthology um so for any listener who doesn't know who he is now you do um so we caught up because we like bump into each other here and there over the years but maybe talk for like five minutes you know so it was nice to just kind of you know chat about the industry and what's going on and tell him about my crazy idea and so now um not only am i caught up with tim he offered he's like if you have you know a list that you're looking for i basically look at a book database all day <laughs> oh nice and i was like nice. oh huh so it, it occurred to me there are a handful of titles on our list that are like indie books and stuff like that that are no longer in print because like you know, the press went out of business or whatever. And then when I'm looking at them online, it's like 50, 60, 70 bucks for what was a print on demand book. So now I'm thinking maybe Tim can help me kind of find a better deal on some of these, yeah. you know, and I, you know, paying for shipping to get, to get it to a specific store is going to be way cheaper than spending like 70 bucks on like a books, a books or whatever. For sure. For sure. I'm glad you saw Tim. Oh, man, uh, love super guy. nice guy. If, yeah, if you guys know of him and haven't met him, really, really nice guy. Um, hey, what did you what did you fill in your collection from your Milwaukee trip? What, what did you were you able to get? I know you were able to get two books, but were you able to get anything else? Yes, I picked up. Uh, this is almost like it was meant to be. I picked up a copy of a first edition of Katarina by James Frey. Nice. So that's on the shelf. I picked up. Um, some I don't even know how to quantify where these land and like, you know, the additions. But like, be, like the thing that's that. So I'm going to tell you what it is first. The the Hardy Boys and the Nancy Drew books that we reviewed, the mm -hmm. Tower Treasure and the Secret of the Old Clock or whatever it was called. Yeah. But you can tell they're not like super original editions because like it's like all other books in the series and it lists like 15 books, so it's definitely right. like an older. Um, 
printing. Those, I will say, those covers for those Hardy Boy books, because I read a number of those <laughs> when I was probably in like fourth grade. Like, I'm pretty sure those are the editions that you could find in an elementary school in right. whatever 1984 or whatever year that was. Yeah, yeah, it was in like the collectible, like young adult section. Uh, but it was called. Oh man, hang on. There's a category. I have the receipt right next to the desk, thankfully. Um, that's not the receipt. That's a different half price books receipt. That's embarrassing. Nostalgia. <laughs> Nostalgia is the category okay. that they're in. So, yeah. Four bucks each. Um, I think, I mean, I picked up a couple other books that I just wanted. Like, I got um, Arturo Preserverte, a book of his. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a pretty decent. I didn't walk home. I didn't drive two hours home empty-handed, which was nice. Yeah, yeah. I yes, I think you're nuts. I fully agree on you thinking that I think you're nuts. Yes, so it's a very satisfying. Dude, you could, like yeah. when I look at the shelves. I'm like, God damn. When you have the books that you can't find, what you do is you go to your local library and you look at their database, find out if there are any, check them out, and just don't return them. Oh, I know why you said that. <laughs> uh, well, there's no fees anymore anywhere, so I would get away with it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And quite honestly, if they charge you, what do you think? What do you think the charge would be? Like fifteen bucks, right? So if you're saying seventy dollars for you to order, yeah, pay a fifteen dollar um, replacement fee. You know, like three years from now or whenever they think they should have the book back, and they figured out you're not bringing it back. Ooh, I did get. And do it that way. We Live Inside You uh, by Jeremy Robert Johnson. Very nice. Yeah, and you so. find it half price books? No, um, this I found it online for like 12 bucks or something, which is oh. great because Swallowdown Press is out of business, so it's not in print. Yeah. Not very cool. Good score. Good score. I know that's coming back in print. I'm pretty sure all of JRJ stuff is currently being reworked to be reprinted, yes. which is good news because. He is a fabulous, uh, fabulous writer, and his stuff should always be in print, in my opinion. Yeah, and then maybe it'll be heavily checked out from libraries. It might be. Um, why don't you go ahead and take us into this, this next <laughs> one? This list is very surprising, by the way. Yeah, so um, uh, so Livius came across that Book Riot article at some point, but I, it, it, I think it was being shared around uh, like the socials or whatever. This one, I'm not sure exactly where I saw this. It might have been scrolling through Reddit. Um, but the New York Public Library uh, calculated... This is an NPR article um, from the 13th, and it's by Laurel Wamsley. Wamsley. Uh, New York Public Library has calculated its most checked-out books of all time. And they don't mean like, hey, check out that book. They're like, when you check out, when you take it out of the library and read it, and then you bring it back. Um, yes, I was trying to do Olivia style or, joke. Or, or, or listen, yeah, or not, or or you don't bring it back. Yeah. Uh, so they do a top ten, and um, I don't I don't know how deep you want to go into this, but uh, uh, it's interesting to see um, where what I don't even recognize all of them, and some of them you're like, oh yeah, duh, that makes sense. So um, I guess I'll just run through it from ten down to one. Does that make sense? Uh, sure. I will say this. I only don't know of one of these titles. Um, 
It's and the some of biggest these... one, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. So, um, go ahead and go through. Uh, of note of interest, if you if you whatever pass out while you're listening to Rob read through a list of fucking books, there's only one nonfiction book on this list. That was a little surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Well, some of them just kind of will make sense. Um, mm-hmm. Let's just do it. So number 10, The Very Hungry Caterpillar. Eric Carl, 189,550 checkouts. I'm not going to do the, the the quantity of checkouts for each one. Um, hey, that's just 189,550 times that Eric Carl was deprived of, oh. uh, of money for his <laughs> Yeah, that guy'd have like another fifty, sixty bucks. At they least. And that's just one library, if you think about it. Um, can you imagine if the United States like library system could tell you? Like the American Library Association? Well this is this is the entire New York public library system, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I guess you're right. New York yeah, public I library. I was imagining one big building, but yeah, you're probably it's probably a bunch <laughs> of little ones that network together. Yeah. <laughs> Number nine, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Uh, it makes sense. It's one of the most popular books of mm-hmm. all time. Number eight, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I need to check that out. Uh, number seven, Fahrenheit 451, Ray Bradbury, which is kind of weird because it's like a required reading in school. So, like, didn't you just read it in school? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, but that's that's part of it. Though. So I was looking. There's a couple on this list, and I'm thinking that a good portion of those downloads were children going getting the book because they needed a copy for school. Ah, there you go. Uh, number six, Charlotte's Web by E.B. White. Uh, five, To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. Anybody who's like, man, I want to know how to bust up a shifferobe. I need to check this book out. Do you know, you know what I'm talking about? No uh, clue whatsoever. Anyway, and there's a character who he has to bust up a shifferobe, which is like a, it's like a wardrobe, like a, like a clothing cabinet. Anyway, <laughs> number four, where the wild things are. Uh, number three, 1984 by George Orwell. And by now we're in the 441,000 range. So it's, it's gone up. It's a more than doubled the number of checkouts. Number two, cat in the hat, Dr. Seuss. And the number one book checked out from the New York public library system is the snowy day by Ezra Jack Keats. What the fuck is that book? 485,583. Yeah. No idea. You've never heard of that, right? No, no. It was published in 1962. Um, so, I mean, it's got years on it to be checked out. So, I mean, that's <laughs> that's one of the keys, right? Like, the longer it's been available, the more times it could have been checked out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little surprised that, that I, and I'm not trying to be funny, that, like, Twilight or E.L. James books, like, like didn't make the top ten. Because I feel like those books, and I don't know what libraries used to be like in, you know, whatever, the 1970s, I guess. But I feel very strongly that there would be multiple copies of something really, really big. So they could be simultaneously checked out more so than one copy of an older book. So Does that make sense? Yes. I will say that the that the Snowy Day book is a a children's picture book. And like you said, it's okay. got some years on it. It's nineteen sixty two, so I'm wondering what the field of children's picture books between 1962 and like, 
the modern day is like was this like just oh, yeah. the best choice until that fucking hungry caterpillar book showed up or whatever <laughs> yeah the cat in the hat's pretty good too but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then yeah a few of them are definitely required reading um yeah. so i never had to read 1984 in school but i know plenty of people that did um, I did read To Kill a Mockingbird probably in like eighth grade. I have a vague recollection. I mean, I, I remember what the overall story is, but, you know, um, Fahrenheit 451's required reading. Yeah. So some of this, by the way, Charlotte's Web, if I had to comprehensively put together a list of my all-time favorite books, Charlotte's Web is in my top 20. Yeah, it's a, it a good little book. I love Charlotte's Web. So, of those top ten, how many have you read? Um, so, I have read... Uh, I, I feel like I probably <laughs> read The Cat in the Hat, but I can't swear to it. Um, definitely Charlotte's Web multiple times. I mean, the last time at Charlotte's Web, I was a full-on adult. I was probably 35. Um, and I, uh, I also read Fahrenheit 451. So, two for sure. <laughs> uh, I've definitely read The Cat in the Hat and um kill a mockingbird charlotte's web and the harry potter book so at least four yeah i might have the snowy day and i just don't remember it because it's a children's book yeah oh you know what maybe the very hungry caterpillar that's it's a strong possibility that i read that is it when did that come out let's take a look yeah i don't know i'm gonna find out that weird like it looks like it's uh like uh, watercolor paint kind of like aesthetic to it right (laughs) 19, 1916. Oh, you know what? When I see the picture, I, I recognize it's, it again. Yeah, I, I'm exactly. not sure if I read it, but once I saw the, yeah, it, 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 it looks like a book that like a third grader drew, like, like, yeah. it, you know what I mean? Like if you went to art day at school, yeah, it's simple. Um, that was 1969. So yeah, you, you might very well, I, I may have too, but I have no recollection of it. Yeah. Didn't leave a lasting impression on us. Uh, and all these books more or less make sense. Um, I think that um, the like the Da Vinci Code would be one that would come to mind, you know. Sure. But I think that that's where your used bookstores come in, because I think something. And this is twenty years ago, probably the Da Vinci Code had had put out like forty five million copies or something like that. Um, the same thing with like uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, which. I recently got a signed first edition Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> My fucking lunacy is going like just over the top. Um, but there's so many of those books in used bookstores that you'd see like the picture of like people built a room using Fifty Shades of Grey as the walls, yep. like stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I think that there's just such a profundity of of copies of those books that like it's just easy. Like you can get if it's Fifty Shades of Grey for a dollar without trying very hard. I'm sure. I uh, I just really wish that you had a chance to buy Fifty Shades of Grey at the same time as like the first Nancy Drew book, just so you could bring <laughs> them both up to a counter at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, so some of them aren't a surprise at all. The if you said you know what what one nonfiction book would you think I actually would have said Dale Carnegie? Um, if you told me there was only one, I, I definitely would have said that was the one because yeah. I know that that's it, that's. Prob- oh, I wonder if that's the top um, nonfiction bestseller of all time. Oh, I'm sure there's a way to find that out. But I will say that that means in the it. New York, anybody, uh, at least of the people who use the New York Public Library, there are 284,524 unfriendly motherfuckers 
trying to figure shit out. <laughs> well, you would think New York would just be such a nice and friendly place. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I've heard about it. Like that's the rumors I've heard. Yeah. Over the years. Yeah. Did you did you get an answer? Um, I'm working on it. The uh, problem is I put the top bestsellers, but it's like the top nonfiction books, which is all opinion. Oh, so I'm trying yeah. to find. Like, well, yeah, it's it's pulling up. Here, well, while you're looking, I, I do want to say that um, it recently became uh, official that I will be making a trip to New York City. And now that I know that the New York Public Library isn't just one big building, I'm a little disappointed because, like, I'm going to have to figure out which one's closest to where I'm staying uh, if I want to if I want to check that place out. This is by year. Check it out. See, check it out. Yes. Very nice. This is by <laughs> year. So if you want to know in 1924, the best selling nonfiction of the year is uh, Diet and Health by Lulu Hunt Peters. Oh. Yeah. At any rate, I'm not doing this. All right. If I come across it, because I remember at some point, I'll, I'll try to look into it. Um, yeah. So you are going to the Book Expo. The, the Big Apple. To, yeah. For those of you who aren't aware, there's a trade event called Book Expo. Um, and I say that like I'm saying that trade event, I'm emphasizing that because that means that it's not open to the public. It's only open to people who are in like the industry. So I'm trying to like make myself sound cool cause I'm going to book expo, but it's basically like a publishing industry, like, um, exposition. There's tons of like, you know, individual authors and publishers and stuff kind of peddling their wares. There's also like agents, um, agents, you know, literary agents there and, Anything that's literary world um, related is going to be there. And obviously I was like, well, of course I have to be there. Um, and I was like, Livius, let's go. And Livius was like, fuck that. I'm going to France. Yep. That is absolutely correct. Um, <laughs> I won't actually be in France while you're there, but like our, like we, we while you're driving, I was gonna say we could potentially meet at the airport. Cause I get back like the day you leave. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on that, and uh, you know I'll go into a used bookstore and deprive an author of his just dues um, in France instead of here. That's what I'll be doing. Well, I mean, and that's honestly like a big a big focus of of me going out there is depriving authors of of revenue <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> by getting free copies of books that we can use to review on the podcast. So, um, but I you know I. I Use the argument that I mean, can you can you imagine quantifying the amount of books that have been sold based on us talking about them on the podcast? Um, it's I be mean, four double digits, fourteen. <laughs> fourteen, I'm guessing. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about that. Uh, this is the first time I'm doing like a literary, a podcast related thing where I don't have some sort of like entourage of people. Um, usually, it's like anywhere from like four to like 14 of us all going to enjoy it together. Uh, it's just me and Manhattan is fucking expensive. I mean, yes. Cause I believe that's in New York, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's like, why it's expensive. I'm like, th like, <laughs> so the play it's at the Javits center for anybody who's from New York and understands Manhattan at all. Javits center is like on the, I don't want to say, I don't know which direction of the, it's on the New Jersey side of Manhattan uh, by the Lincoln tunnel, which means um, it's just in the middle of the shit. So like, there's no way that anything's going to be inexpensive. Um, the, the hotel I'm staying at has no parking. So 
not only do I have to find like a parking garage or something like that, but it's going to be event rates because there's going to be a fucking conference going on three blocks away. So you may want to find a farther out parking lot and public transportation yourself to the hotel. Yeah. I was thinking about that, but I will be like three blocks from Madison square garden and like three or four blocks from, um, what's that big building? That's the city, the, the Empire State after. Building. Yeah. yeah, that's the one, Empire State yeah. Building. Yeah. So I'll be, I'll be close to, I'm close to Times Square too. So like, if I'm not exhausted from like carrying around a bag full of books all day, I'm gonna try and see some of those sites. There you go. How long are you staying? Uh, three nights. It's a three day event. And originally I was gonna do two nights, but like checking out and then going to a conference seems a little bit. So I'm doing three nights. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I, um, I, look, I'm going to be honest. I would, I would say something like, oh, I envy you. No, you don't. I'm not sure I could do three <laughs> days, three days at a fucking book thing. Yeah. Like I just, I, I don't know if I could do it. Well, realistically, the first day is probably going to be easy because the expo part of it really is the, the second and third day. So the first day is all the like, glad handing and like you know opening ceremonies and bullshit probably some awards or something like that so that that day is probably going to be pretty easy it's just day two and three that they're going to be the grind yeah well um you're a better man than i am because i certainly would not do this on my own um but uh you know clean out your trunk man you could come back with hundreds of books we won't review that we won't review yeah i've got to fucking buy more bookshelves i'm already like at a choking point here yeah so uh yeah no i think i actually think it's cool and, and i i hope that um they're very receptive to you because there was some question on if you could even get into this thing because you know we're a podcast we're not we're not a blog apparently because i guess i mean it appears that there's a hierarchy. There's there's traditional media, right? So if you are a a, a known publication, so let's say you know you have a newspaper, or magazine, obviously most of that's online now, right? Then there's bloggers, and then it seems like there's a third step down, but the steps aren't a, of equal value. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, <laughs> if you drop down like the length of two steps, there's podcasters. Podcasters like us who've been loyal to books for nine years now. Yeah. Well, and it's weird because, like, there's not a podcaster category. It's non-editorial media, which means, like, I'm a member of them. I qualify as media, but I won't be going there to specifically give coverage of the event, I think. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm non-editorial. Anyway, if I was Anna Gooding call, I could probably get in. A lot easier because she's writing for Book Riot. Yeah. Yeah, but, well, I don't know because she also thinks that you should buy more used books. And I don't <laughs> think that the publishing industry is – there's probably a picture of, of, of her up front that says do not let in. Yeah, you know, she's on, so. like, the no-fly list of, like, the book expo. She, there's a there's – a, um, there's a buffet – um, near my work. Oh, I can't wait to see where this and, goes. Uh, <laughs> there's a buffet, and it's a it's a, it's a basically a Chinese buffet, right? And uh, they post pictures of Dine and Dashers like right on the window. So when you walk up, there's like four different pictures of people 
That's it. And then it says something like, did not pay for food, like written under there. And that's Anna Gooding call. There's a picture of her <laughs> at, at, in front of the book expo and says, does not pay us for books. So. Oh, Anna. Wow. And if, and if there isn't, can you do it while you're there? Can yeah. you just print one out and just slap it on the front door as you walk by and take a picture of it? That'd be awesome. I'm on it. All right. What else we got? Do we have anything else to talk about? Absolutely not. I think we've covered everything that we can cover. Um, there is a new video, by the time you're, hit, you're hearing this, posted on our YouTube channel. So if you go to YouTube and you search for Booked Podcast, you will find us and um, a recent explanation of our new rating system, which it'll make sense to spend the 12 minutes and watch it so you understand if you're a regular listener how the rating system has changed. So do that. Subscribe while you're there. And we have the lamest unboxing video. And I only say this, Rob, not 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 to hurt your feelings. Like some people unbox like computers or like new phones. We have a book unboxing video. <laughs> um, but I think it's worth I think it's worth checking out. I, I, I guess what I'm saying is the unboxing was cool. It's lame because it's a book unboxing. All right, that's fair. I, I'll I'll own that. Um, yeah, so check out, uh, we have had actually a pretty decent reception for our, um, rating system video as in more than like five people have watched it. And, uh, David James Keaton did say basically that we created like a, like a grading rubric and I was like, Oh, that's mm-hmm. a thing. So yeah. And he's a professor, so he knows what he's talking yeah, about. They, they, they get paid to use words like rubric. Right. Yeah. Probably professor made up the word probably did uh oh uh i don't want to make a whole thing out of this but i i do want to say that the preliminary ballot for the stoker awards for 2020 uh is out in the wild the stoker con is taking place in the uk this year uh april 16th and 19th we were actually going to go until we realized how far from london the location was mm-hmm. and we we're like fuck it we don't want to be in the middle of like weirdo england Right. Yeah, yeah. Like with a bunch. If of... it was in London, if it was if it was in London, we'd we'd totally we'd totally be there. There's much more like so. we'd be there. <laughs> um, that being said, uh, just for for superior achievement in a novel, we should mention that um, one of our favorites of this past year, Inspection by Josh Mallerman, um, on that uh, on that list. Um, and then uh, the fearing, which we also reviewed here, wanderers um, on the preliminary ballot, um, and Lee Murray, who I will mention, um, we did not read into the ashes, um, but uh, we did meet her at StokerCon uh, a couple of years ago. She was the moderator for the panel we were on. Seems like a very nice lady. So good yeah. luck. Yeah, uh, to really those cool. books and to the other books, but uh, we don't really have any relationship to Owl going back. Which is the oh. author of Coyote Rage. Yeah. The other Don't thing know that is John. The other ones I wanted to mention in the fiction collection category Brian Evanson's Song for the Unraveling of the World. We fucking love that guy. Um, and Paul Tremblay's Growing Things in Other Stories, which we really enjoyed. Um, so it'd be nice to see them battle it out for, I don't know, what is it? Like a gold bat or something? What do you get as a for a Stoker Award? <laughs> Not like a no baseball idea. bat, Our- but like a. A bag mouse. of garlic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I, have, I have no idea. There you go. 
There's yeah, a- so we'll obviously cover that as we get closer to it. Um, when we have the final ballot, I'm sure we'll talk about it. I don't know if we're going to do what we did last year, which is make sure that oh, we've read. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess it depends, because really, if it comes down to Taft, Wendig, Mallerman, and like one or two other ones, then uh, maybe. Yeah, why not? Maybe. But Adam uh, Neville, the reddening, I think that's the guy that did the the ritual that was adapted for that Netflix movie, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. So, okay. yeah. So, so good luck to all. All right, good luck to most of the the people on the preliminary ballot because there's some names on here I don't care for. But <laughs> you know I me. Mean? Good luck to good luck to everybody else. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, you fucking know who you are. You know who you are. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all I've got. Uh, next week, probably a book review. It was going to definitely be a book review. It's still going to definitely be a book review. We'll figure something out. But the book we were thinking about reviewing apparently is not going to land in time. So we'll figure something out. But we'll, we'll have some kind of book review for you next week. That, and on that fucking burst of energy that Livius just gave you, uh... <laughs> I was just I was depressed <laughs> at the thought of having to hunt for a god book to review. It's become my least favorite part of this podcast. Is yeah. the oh shit, what the fuck are we going to review? Which means I'm going to be like, oh, let's do one of those grab bag books. Um, yeah. Well, on that note, come back for something, some a surprise of a book review uh, in in what just one week, and until then. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Olivia Snedden. Keep reading. Use books from the library. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>